Yes, as you can see, last week we started a brand new collection of talks on the Holy Spirit. So if you want to get your notes out, we're going to dive right in this morning. The collection of talks that we started last week is called The God I Never Knew. And the God that we never knew that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit. What we've realized is that a very biblical promised concept and theme throughout Scripture is what we call the Trinity that God has represented himself or is personified as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's maybe some weirdness or some interesting things of how you've grown up experiencing the Holy Spirit or the way we think about this, and it's been maybe hijacked by some other crazies out there. But it's part of the Trinity, meaning that it is a part of God that we can experience and lean into and trust with our life. As we've leaned in a little bit to this, we've understood that in the last conversations that Jesus had with his disciples, the main thing he was telling them about was the Holy Spirit, was the fact that he was leaving with them someone greater, someone stronger, someone more powerful that would be able to move in their life than they could ever do on their own. Because they walked this earth with the Son of God. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you talk about a cool thing to be on your resume, walking the earth with the Son of God. And so when Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven and leave, the disciples were like, no, 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 you can't go. You, we're like part of your entourage, Jesus. If you leave, we're nothing. And he says, hey, that's not how it works. I'm about to give you someone, I'm about to send you someone who is your helper, who is your advocate, who is someone who is going to stand by you. The the phrase, the Holy Spirit, or the word spirit, is mentioned 800 times in the Bible. I don't know about you, but if I'm told something 800 times, it's probably pretty important. It's probably important to pay attention to. Today, the title of our conversation is this, Power to the People. The reason Jesus was conveying so much importance about the Holy Spirit is that he was letting them know that power was coming to them, that power was going to be given to them in and through the Holy Spirit, that he was a part of God that was going to stand with them through the thick and thin of their life because Jesus knew they were about to step in into an incredibly difficult and hard season. Now, when life is going great, we love those moments, right? I enjoy when life is stress-free, when life is feeling good, when there's no problems. Anybody just enjoy a nice stress-free week with no issues or anything like that? It's good. We enjoy that time. We got some claps out there because people are like, yeah, I haven't had one of those in like three years. I'm ready. Please, Lord, I'm ready to receive some less stress and issues and problems. Well, the thing is that in those moments, it's kind of easy to depend on our own strength. We can forget about the ways we've been blessed by our Heavenly Father God. But what about when things are going really bad? But what about when you feel like you're powerless? But what about those moments where things seem to be failing you left and right? Whether it's people or your job or social things that you've put your trust in, what happens then? The importance of the message today, the importance of the Holy Spirit is this, is that even in those moments, you don't have to feel powerless. You don't have to feel alone. You don't, feel like, like, you don't have to feel like you can't take one more step because God is stepping there right with you one step after the other. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, here's what the Apostle Paul tells us. He says this right here. I pray that God, the source of hope, if you're ever looking for the source of hope, 
Just go to God. He's everything that you need. I pray to God, the source of hope, that he will fill you completely. Would you circle that word completely for me? That he will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you do all the right things? No. Because you do all the religious things you're supposed to do? No. Because you succeed because you're a good person? Nope, 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 nope. Simply because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, today, church, I don't know what you've walked in with. Maybe you've walked in hopeless. Maybe you've walked in feeling powerless. Maybe someone invited you to church today or you're watching online and you're giving God one last chance. I want you to know today that when we walk out these doors or when our live stream ends, you can understand and know and have confidence that the God of the universe is with you, that God has never left you or forgotten about you. He's with you right now and he left you a counselor, a comforter, an advocate, and that person has a name, and that name is the Holy Spirit that gives you fresh life, that gives you strength, that gives you power. Turn to the person next to you, give them an elbow, and say, hey, you've got power. You've got power. The old 80s song, I've Got the Power by Snap. Come on, 80s one-hit wonders. That's where we're at. I like thinking that sometimes. When you're walking into those issues, I've got the power. It's okay, because it doesn't depend on my abilities or my talents or even my performance. See, the Holy Spirit steps into our life to remind us what Jesus has done and to remind us how much God loves us. See, in Romans 15, 13, it uses the word power. And when we look in Scripture, when you see the word power, a lot of times it's this word right here, the word dunamis, which stands for a force, a miraculous power, and the explosive power of God. For our smart people out there, dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. If you were like, that sounds similar, because it is similar. It's where we get that word. Because we understand that when the explosive power of something like dynamite interacts with something, it is never the same. See, what God wants to do when he steps into your life is to not explode things and, oh, oh my gosh, my world is totally gone. But he does want to have an explosive effect in your life where you can see that there's a difference and where you can know that there is a miraculous power and force on your side. And listen, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not some sort of ghostly figure or really a force. The power is an effect of a person of God that we call the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, here's what it says. But you will receive, say it with me, but you will receive power. Come on, everybody. I just heard a couple people, just my front row crowd. I need everybody. Come on. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is Jesus' last thing that he says as he's ascending to heaven. If I ever see someone floating in the sky, you better believe I am going to listen and hang on every word that they're saying. That's what's happening with Jesus. And he says, you're going to receive power. I want you to know today, local city church, that you have received power when you said yes to Jesus and surrendered your life to him. At that moment, you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it takes us just remembering and recognizing and even opening ourselves up to those things that are more powerful than we could possibly imagine. I'm going to quote a theologian by the name of Charles Spurgeon a couple times today. And here's a quote that he says about the Holy Spirit, and hopefully it encourages you but also speaks to you today. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are 
useless. Now, I'm not much of a sailor, but I know that if you don't have any wind to go into your sails, you're doomed. You're not going anywhere. See, for us, we can be spinning our wheels and trying so hard and feel like we're going nowhere. And what this quote reminds us is that until we surrender and let the Spirit of God blow into us and move in our life, we are useless. Now, that's a term that I don't want to describe my life with. Sometimes I've described my life that way in those dark emotional places or those times you feel like you failed. But here's the thing today is that when the Holy Spirit steps into your life, when he begins to move in and through you, you are not useless. You're useful to impact people and to bring hope into their life and help them see who Jesus is to truly make a difference in their life. Here's what I want you to understand today in your conversations throughout the week or even in your car ride home, I want you to think about these three things right here is that when we talk about the Trinity of God, the three persons of God, here's what it is. It's that we understand that God the Father loves me. Write that down, that God the Father loves me. The enemy would love nothing more than to convince you that God doesn't love you, but he does. It's true. It's an unconditional love. But it doesn't stop there. God showed and proved his love through his son, Jesus, because God the Son, Jesus, has saved me, gave his life for you, gave his life for me, conquered sin and death so we could be forgiven and set free. But then it doesn't stop there. Sometimes we go two out of three. But two out of three, what is that, 66%? You're not passing with that, all right? My mom was not happy with a 66% on a test, all right? So we can't go two out of three. We gotta go three for three and remember that the gift that we have is the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is God with us. I love the personal side of God. I love the fact that everything about God, even in these three things, is he's our father, he's the son, and he's with us. What do all three of those things communicate and build? That God is a relational God. This is not about have-tos. This is about simply receiving and understanding that the Holy Spirit is with you today and he's moving and doing something powerful in your life. Come on, let's jump into the message today. Would you pray with me today? Just, just open your hearts as we jump into the heart of our conversation this morning and let's pray together. God, I pray today that you would speak to every single one of us. God, you're a truly good God and we can't do this without you. We thank you that God the Father, you love us, that Jesus, God the Son, you've saved us and that Holy Spirit, you're here in the place today. You are with us. So God, I pray that you'd help us listen and lean in. Be with all our incredible local city kids. God, as they learn about Jesus and as he is their very best friend, bless and anoint our team today to make a difference in our next generation. And God, we're so thankful for you. We love you and we trust you and we listen to you today. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, give me a good amen. Give me a clap if you're ready to jump in to the message today. I'm actually going to have you give me one, one more shout because I, again, always want to shout out and welcome all of our people watching for Local City Online. So give them a shout so they can hear you today, everybody. Thank you guys so much for watching. Wherever you're at, let us know where you're watching from in the comment section. Click share. Send this message out to someone because there's hope in it. And I've really been thinking about this idea of the Holy Spirit walking with us. And I think it's, it's, real, it's something that he's shown me is that people should see a difference in our lives with the way that we approach things. That people should see the way that we deal with disappointment or heart, heartache or things that are so difficult in moments of loss or discouragement. And the way we respond and the way we carry ourselves through those things should be an encouragement to those around us. Now, I'm not telling you you have to fake it through life and not feel what you're going through. But I, I believe the way that we process our emotions 
and that we walk through the difficulties of life can be an encouragement and a message to those around us that, man, it doesn't seem like they're going through this life alone. It seems like they know something that I don't. They seem a little bit more calm. They seem a little bit more collected, and I don't know what it is. And I would tell them, hey, inside, I'm going crazy right now, right? I'm screaming on the inside, but I know that the Holy Spirit's holding me together. I know that through all things, I'm more than a conqueror because of what God has done and what Jesus has done in me and through me. I know that even though life may look terrible right now, all things work together for good to those who love God and understand they're called by him according to his purpose. I remember living this out on the mission field one time. Over 10 years ago, I got to go to a mission trip to Jamaica, to some poverty-stricken areas up in the mountains of Jamaica. And I remember every morning we'd wake up in kind of our concrete building that we slept in as young missionaries. And we would take an hour's drive up through the windy roads of the mountains to get to this small church that we were doing a VBS for for the kids. And then at night, we would have church services. And when I tell you, when I, I know I just walked through that story very calmly, but I gotta tell you, that hour drive with some of the scariest moments of my entire life. So every morning, this young guy named Armstrong would pull up in his Volkswagen Scirocco hatchback, which some of you didn't even know that car existed, but it's an old Volkswagen hatchback, and it looked just like Scirocco. It did not look like a great car. Uh, it made a lot of noises. It was loud. It had smoke coming out of it, but hey, it got us up there every single day. And when I say got us up there, you have to understand what that journey entails. All right. What that journey entails is driving up pretty much single lane dirt roads up this mountain to where right here is beautiful, safe road. And right here is death, death, death plummeting down the mountain. And that car was not going to keep us safe. I'm pretty sure it had one seat belt and the only seat belt was the driver's. So our seat belt was our faith in the Lord saying, okay, God, if your will be done, I guess we're going to be okay. Maybe not. Who knows? And I remember driving up one day in this Volkswagen Turaco with Armstrong on a very hot day. And we were driving up, and I was always praying they would do this thing where they would honk, right, when you'd go around turns. I didn't really know what that meant. And one time I asked him, like, Armstrong, why are you doing that? And he said, well, we have to let people know that we're coming around the turn. Otherwise, it's not going to end well for either of us. And I remember one morning, we were driving up the mountain, and he did a little honk to come around the turn. And again, we're on a single lane road. One side is rocks. The other side is just, again, cliff. Like, and it's not good. And we're driving along, and we, he honks, and we take this turn around one of the rock faces. And what I see in front of me is literally the personification or the car of fear approaching us, right? It is another small, rickety little car, but stretching out each side of its windows is like 12-foot PVC pipes, like going this way and going this way. And in that moment, my life began to flash before my eyes. I began to slow down, and it began to happen in slow motion. I'm like, okay, uh, this is it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here, because either I'm going to get decapitated by these PVC pipes coming this way, or we're going to have to dodge, and now where are we going to go? If we try to turn anywhere, it's not going to end good. And I remember just as all these PVC pipes are about to just derail us, Armstrong pulls off on this little kind of dirt outside out little cliff thing that was there that it was just barely enough room to get past the pipes. And as we're driving this whole time, he's just cool and calm. In my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? Break, stop, we're gonna die. And he's like, it's okay. 
I got it. I got it. And just calmly, just barely moves, and we just barely miss the PVC pipe. And he continues on like that was a normal occurrence. Like this happens all the time. And I'm like, I'm not coming up here tomorrow. Does the, does, the, does the room where we're staying need cleaning? I'll just be a missionary that cleans, all right? I can't brave these mountains anymore. But throughout the whole time, he was so calm because he understood, hey, there's a way to get around. He understood that I've done this before, It's happened before because there's some crazy people up in the mountains, so it's okay. I was really glad that I wasn't driving the car at that moment because who knows what would have (laughs) happened. I don't know. I wouldn't be here today probably if I was driving the car at that moment. And the point of the story is that when you let the Holy Spirit drive, when you trust that he knows what he's doing, when you trust that God understands what's happening, why it's happening, and that he's leading you and guiding you through these things, You can sit in the passenger seat or in the back seat, and you don't have to be a side seat driver. You can just trust that God is going to care for you, that God's going to protect you. That's ultimately what happens when the Holy Spirit was given to us. See, when Jesus, again, gave his life for you and I and conquered death, when he walked out of that grave, he didn't just keep it a secret. Like, he was visiting his friends. He was visiting his followers. And what happens is Jesus Jesus gives his life on what's called Passover, Passover is a Jewish holiday, and it represents way back when in the time when the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians, where they were set free. And they were set free through the holiday they celebrated called Passover, where the angel of death literally passed over their house, who had followed the instructions of God by putting the blood of the sacrificed lamb on their doorposts. And then every generation after that celebrated Passover, because literally the angel of death passed them over, and it led to their freedom out of slavery. It led to the freedom so they could step into the promised land that God was offering them. And they celebrated this Passover, and what happens was they would remember and symbolize those days. They would, be, they would prepare a sacrificial lamb every morning at nine o'clock in the morning for the fact that they were going to eat it for dinner later to remember this holiday. They would sacrifice the lamb at nine o'clock in the morning, and they would prepare the lamb. They would place it in the oven back then. Who knows how much it the degrees it was supposed to be, but they'd place it in the oven at three o'clock in the afternoon. And when Jesus came, wouldn't you know it that when he became the ultimate sacrifice for us, the Bible tells us that Jesus gave his life at nine o'clock in the morning as the ultimate sacrifice, and he was placed in the tomb at three o'clock in the afternoon to directly symbolize what people had been waiting for. And this became the Passover celebration. And Jesus was letting them know in the Jewish tradition at that time, I am the ultimate sacrifice that you've been waiting for. I am the ultimate sacrifice for your sins to bring you freedom. So you don't have to go through these rituals anymore. It's done. I've completed it. So that our sin could not just be covered over, but our sin could be forgiven. Very important holiday. Turn to the person next to you tell them, hey, you're forgiven. Just so you know that. I need you to know that you're forgiven. Maybe if you're sitting next to your spouse, you need to forgive them for some things they said today or yesterday or this weekend, whatever. You're forgiven. But the second holiday that, we be, that they began to celebrate was 50 days after Passover, and this was the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost means, if you want to write it down on the back of your note cards there, the power to make a difference. Pentecost literally means 50 days afterwards. And what this means is that Pentecost was a very important day of celebration. And Jesus knew this. And so when Jesus ascended to heaven, in just a few days later, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit steps into a room full of people who were the believers and followers of Jesus. 
In Acts chapter 1, here's what we see. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, here's what it says. It'll be up on the screen. It says, During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I love that. Like, he's actually alive. One of my favorite instances of this is when Jesus first appears to the disciples. And there's a disciple not there by the name of Thomas. And Thomas isn't there for whatever reason. And Jesus appears to the disciples. Then he leaves and Thomas shows up. And they say, hey, guess what, Thomas? Jesus was just here. And Thomas says, no, he's dead, guys. Don't you remember? And he says this phrase, unless I can put my hand in his wounds, in his hand and in his side, I cannot believe that he's alive. And just in that moment, Jesus shows up and pretty much opens his hands to him. He says, here are the wounds that you wanted to see. Here's the wound in my side that you wanted to feel. And Thomas utters one of the most important phrases in the Bible where he calls Jesus my God. It's the first time someone understands that Jesus is their God. Like Jesus is your closest friend. He is your personal savior. He is in relationship with you. So he's showing people, hey, I'm actually alive. And he talks to them, I love this, about the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about important things, so he talks to them about the kingdom. And he says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what happens a few days after that, on day 50, the disciples are what's in called the, is called the upper room, and the Holy Spirit enters that room. And this amazing supernatural event happens where they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It truly is power to the people. Now, what's interesting is scriptures tell us and scholars tell us that Jesus appeared to over 500 people in his time from resurrection to the time he ascended. But what we see in the upper room is there's a close to maybe only 100 people in that room. So when they didn't listen to what Jesus said. What did he say? Hey, don't leave until the Father sends you the gift that he's promised you. Isn't it interesting that we can miss out on being a part of one of the most historical, miraculous moments in the entire world simply because sometimes we don't wait on God's timing, simply because we don't wait on what God has said that he would do. I want you to tell you today, if God has told you something, he is going to do it. He is going to move. The miracle is going to happen. The promise is going to be kept. Can I encourage you this morning? Do not leave until God does what he said he was going to do in your life. He will do do it. He's a promise-keeping God. Just like we sang today, he is too good to not believe. And we can lean into that today. So 400 plus people leave and they miss out on the Holy Spirit stepping into their life. John baptized with a physical thing of water. But what's going to happen now is you're going to be baptized and filled with the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus knew they were going to need the Holy Spirit with them if they were going to walk through what they were about to walk through. The followers of Jesus were about to walk through an intense time of persecution. The followers of Jesus were about to walk through a very, very difficult season of their life. What I love about this, though, in this supernatural moment, is it's synonymous with things that have happened in the Old Testament as well. See, when God originally gave the law to us, to the Israelites, it's known as the Ten Commandments. We're probably familiar with that. And that happened on Mount Sinai when God wrote those tablets and gave them to Moses. But what's happening in the mountain, at the base of the mountain at that time is the Israelites are completely turning their back on God. Because Moses literally told them, hey, I'm going up to the mountain. Just wait. Don't go crazy. I'll be right back. And once you know it, 
the Israelites go super crazy. They melt down all their gold. They make it into an idol. And Moses comes down super angry, breaks the first draft of the Ten Commandments, breaks the tablets. And God is, his wrath is so strong on them because he literally told them, I'm about to do something here for you. I'm about to provide for you. That because of their disobedience, because of their literally melting down their possessions to build an idol, 3,000 Israelites, 3,000 people of God are killed that day simply because they forgot to wait on what God had said because he had promised them things. Crazy, important stuff like that's in the Bible. But here's how God redeems those things, is that Jesus came to fulfill the law because God knew there was no way we could fulfill and keep the Ten Commandments. All of us have probably put another God before God at times. All of us have probably dishonored our mom and dad at times. All of us have probably stolen, hoping none of us have killed in this room before, but even if you have, hey, you're forgiven and set free, you're good, all right? The thing is, though, is that when Jesus came, he was fulfilling the law. And the moment of the Ten Commandments and all that idol worship, all that stuff going on, and 3,000 people died, when Jesus fulfills the law and the Holy Spirit comes into the upper room, in that moment, the disciples walk out of that room, and Peter, who is kind of the, you know, foot-in-his-mouth disciple, but very bold and I'll-go-first type disciple, steps up and speaks to the religious leaders and speaks to the people of Jerusalem at that time and unpacks this beautiful sermon about who Jesus was and what he had done and how he had been the Savior and Messiah they'd be waiting for. And once you know it, 3,000 people get saved that day. Isn't it amazing how God mirrors those things? Isn't it amazing how Jesus is always at work, how the Holy Spirit is always moving in power in our lives? Because he knew, Jesus knew we could not do this on our own. So here's, I want to give you a few things that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. I love that word empower. Literally breathing power into your life. Here's the first thing. It says, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. In Romans 8 it says this, I love this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. I don't want us to walk through our life, feeling that we have to be controlled by the sinful nature inside of us, when that sinful nature has been conquered and been washed away because of what Jesus did in his life for you. And the Holy Spirit is the reminder of that. See, listen, this is not about doing right things. We could never earn our way to heaven. I say that a lot. Good works are not what it's about. It's ultimately about remembering what Jesus has done, that there was no way for us to keep the law of God, there was nothing we could do, and it was in that moment that Jesus stepped in our life and forgave us and gave his life as a sacrifice for all of us so that not only death could pass us over, but that we could be truly forgiven in our sins, the Bible tells us, separated as far as the east is from the west. God does not think about your sin anymore. But the thing is, is that now we've been empowered to live righteously, though, to live as who we actually are. See, to live righteously is to understand that, yes, I don't deserve what Jesus has done for me, but I know the Holy Spirit was, is with me, and he's given me the strength to live righteously. See, what happens is there's a moment where Peter, James, and John are brought before the religious leaders, and because of just the confidence that they're, the confident hope, like we talked about before, the confident hope that they're carrying and displaying the religious leaders literally look at them and say, there is no doubt these men have been with Jesus. Living righteously helps that happen. 
living righteously and keeping principles in our life, of things that we don't compromise on, of things that we don't sacrifice on the altar of acceptance or pleasing others, to understand that we've been accepted by God, so our one desire is to please and honor him by living righteously. The Bible tells us that there are things in our life that grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that when I step into maybe those addictions or behaviors that hold me back, the Holy Spirit is grieved. A lot of us think that in those moments that God is angry or that God is upset or that God is folding his arms, like how dare you do that? What the Bible tells us is that the Holy Spirit grieves, meaning that in those moments, the Holy Spirit is grieving, his heart is breaking, saying, I I can help you get past those things. I can help you break free of those addictions. I don't want you to live in that darkness anymore. I don't want you to be chained to those things anymore. I want you to live free from that. I want you to live with power. I want you to live understanding that you're controlled by the Spirit of God, and that Spirit of God is going to lead you to places and lead you to your life that you never thought possible. He empowers us. Second thing is, the Holy, Holy Spirit empowers us to live supernaturally. I like that word. That's a good word. I like supernatural, right? Because it's amazing to see the work and move of God that happens. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, it says this, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, this is Paul talking, he says, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Don't take my word for what I'm saying today at all. My one desire for you is that you would begin to seek after God and see what he says about these things so you could live supernaturally. Listen, Local City Church, we believe in the power of prayer here. We believe that God is still performing and God is still doing miracles here on this earth today. We sing about it today. We believe that all those things still happen, that when we pray for healing, it can happen, that when we pray for cancer to disappear, it can happen. When we pray for blessing and provision to show up in your life, it can happen. When we pray for marriages to be restored, it can happen. When we pray for people to break free from the addictions, the generational addictions that they've walked with, we believe that that can supernaturally happen because the Holy Spirit is alive and well today, and he is with us this morning. He's in our worship. He's in our prayers. He's in this word today. He's in your life, and he's helping you live supernaturally. So you don't have to just experience life like everybody else, but to see that, man, there's the power of God is on your side. And man, as the Bible tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? Third thing is this, is the Holy Spirit empowers us to live on mission. I think the biggest thing that the enemy, that Satan can do in your life is to distract you from who you actually are. Is is to help you, or to not help you because he's not helping you, is to distract you from living on mission. See, we've been designed with a purpose. We've been designed to love God and love others. We've been designed to serve God and serve others. We've been designed to make a difference on this earth. And the power that that comes from is the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you today that you have purpose? You have a mission before you? And the most fulfilling life that we can step into is one that is living on mission? In 1 Thessalonians verse 5, in verse 1, it says this, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. That word conviction, what does it mean? It's that it's, I'm deeply convinced 
that God created me for a reason. I'm deeply convinced that the Son of God, Jesus, has saved me. I am deeply convinced that God, my Heavenly Father, loves me. I am deeply convinced that the Holy Spirit is with me no matter what. So I am not going to be distracted by things. I am not going to be distracted by the temptations and words of the enemy. I am going to live on mission. You ever been around a super focused person? Man, they are just driven. And it gets you excited. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do this, right? Like the most, the greatest leaders and coaches in people's lives and in teams' lives and in organizations, they are on mission and focused people saying, hey, here is what we're supposed to do. Listen, local city church, you can find your mission today. Our mission is to bring the hope of Jesus local, to let people know that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. And there is a place for you to live on mission here in this community that also helps you live on mission in your Monday through Saturday as well well. See, when we're mobilized, when we're effective, we begin to look around and see there is power in my life. There is things that I can do because the power of God is on my side, living and working through me. And it's not some force. It's not some thing. It is a person. And that person is the God I never knew. It's the Holy Spirit breathing strength into me, reminding me to live on mission. Can I encourage you today? To take a deep breath. Would you take a deep breath today? Would you breathe in or just breathe out all the things that you're thinking about, all the worries, all the weaknesses, all the things people have said about you, all maybe the the doubts and fears that you have? Would you breathe out those things? Would you take a deep breath in of the things of God? Would you take a deep breath in of the Holy Spirit today? In John chapter 15, the verse we've been sharing every week, it says this, is that Jesus is telling us that I'm gonna send the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. I can boldly tell you today, as firmly as I'm standing on this stage, I know the truth and the truth has set me free. You can know the truth and the truth can set you free. You can know that someone's not fighting with you, but fighting alongside you. That's what the advocate means. He's someone that stands in the gap for you, that he's the spirit of truth. And in this verse, Jesus says he will come. I'm here to tell you that he's here. He's come. He's here in this place today. And the Holy Spirit wants to remind you about God. He wants to remind you about who you are. Some of us, we may feel like giving up on this thing we call faith. Some of us may feel like it's time to turn around on our faith journey and not go one step more. Because we feel like all we've been doing is trying and chasing and never gotten what we thought we would get one day. Or we thought our life would be in a different place. And I encourage you, don't give up. Take a deep breath. God's going to do something. See, we have a choice. 500 people saw Jesus alive after he walked out of the grave. I don't know about you, but if someone conquered death, if I watched them die, watched them get buried, then a few days later... They're passing through walls and they're walking around with the wounds in their hands and they're actually alive. That's what the scripture told us. I'm probably going to believe what they say. I I, I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty good at that moment. Oh, okay, Jesus, you know, I did see you feed the 5,000. I did see you walk on water. I did see you make some blind people see, but this conquering death thing, you got me, I'm sold. But isn't it funny that there were still some people who said, nah, I don't, nah, nah. 
I mean, yeah, you're alive and all that, but I got to wait for you now. No, I can't do that. No. Missed out. I got a funny example for you. I, uh, I love going to sporting events, as you know. People make fun of me because I pray for the lightning sometimes and the bucks sometimes. We're all good this week. They, all, they both won this weekend. Florida State didn't play yesterday, thank God. So they technically won, so I didn't have to stress out on Saturday. But on Tuesday, I got to go to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's home opener, like the opening of the entire season. And it was they did not play well. It was a terrible game. Uh, but it was great to be there. And something happened to me that I've been waiting for a really long time to happen. And this may sound funny to you, but it's okay. It's my story. Uh, I always, I'm the guy at sporting events that when they say, all right, make some noise if you want a t-shirt. And I'm like, yes, there's just something about it where I want to catch that t-shirt out of that cannon or those guys throwing them up in the stands, right? I was like, I want to catch one. And I've been going to sporting events for over 20 years and I've never, ever caught anything. I've had stuff thrown my way and just barely missed out or someone jumped in front of me. And I got to tell you today, I can celebrate because on Tuesday at the home, opener. I pushed some people out of the way and I caught this Be the Thunder Lightning shirt. Oh yeah! That's right! And I was with a friend and I took a picture of me holding it like, finally! I did it! Why? Because of all the heartache. I'm just, it's a goofy example, but it's so real. I could have just been like everybody else and just sit there. Oh, it never happens for me. They never throw my way. Or they're never going to see me. Or I'm never going to be in a place to receive, I want to tell you, oh, there's the picture right there. Come on, look at that and represent with my local city hope bracelet right there. See, it's, I, I didn't just buy that shirt. I can prove it to you that I caught it. I want to tell you today, man, God's ready. He, he's ready to throw you something. He's ready to give you something. And some of us, we're, we're about to stop. But if you just take one more step, you're going to look up and man, that's everything I ever wanted, everything I ever needed way greater than some t-shirt or some earthly accomplishment. It's the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life. Why don't you write these three things down today as we close. The deep breath is this, is that as we take a deep breath and as we remember who Jesus is and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, it's time to let go of fears and behaviors and misperceptions. God knows there's fear in your life. There's a lot to be afraid of, but let go of those fears. Keep showing up. Don't give up. Let go of those behaviors that are holding you back. I don't know what those are, but you probably do. Or the Holy Spirit can reveal them to you right now in this moment. See, Jesus accepted everybody. It's very important to understand this. Jesus accepted everyone, but he never affirmed the behavior in their life that was destroying them. When the woman's caught in adultery, he tells her, hey, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. He leans into those things because he understands that sin is the thing that destroys us from the inside out. And then there's misperceptions, perceptions we've grown up with about God or about Jesus or about the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you just to let God speak to you today about what's true. Number two is to take a deep breath and take a step to go all in, to go all in. See, this thing about God, this thing about following Jesus, it doesn't work just kind of dipping our toe in every now and then. It doesn't work with church being something that is just an occasional thing that we do. Now, I'm not saying, again, it's not attendance that saves us, 
but it is those, it is being in this house, it is being in this community that builds us up and encourages us and reminds us why we're here. We gotta go all in. See, the disciples and followers of Jesus, what was amazing about the Holy Spirit coming into that room is that they needed to go all in because they were about to face death. They were about to face persecution. They were about to face betrayal and people turning their back on them and one thing after the other, but they were also about to step in to one of the most amazing, powerful move of God's ever happening throughout entire history because the church was being built and they were pioneering that, but they couldn't do it with one foot in, one foot out. They had to take a step to go all in. Can I encourage you today that if you would just step in, God would show you amazing things in your life. It's why we have this thing called Growth Track happening today right after service. We want to help you step in to the things of God. I know it says next Sunday, but it's today, all right? Right after service. It helps you find out who we are as a church so you can call local city home, so you can discover your purpose and find out who you are and to begin making a difference. The most fulfilled people in this house are those who serve and make a difference in the lives of others because they've moved from just consuming to contributing as well. And there's nothing better than realizing you're a part of a move of God. The third thing is this, is develop a close friendship with the Holy Spirit. If you've heard nothing today, hear this. The Holy Spirit's a person who wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to speak to you today. He wants to be there for you. That's not going to happen in a moment. But today we can make the decision to develop a close friendship with the Holy Spirit.